0: Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. This is the Comedians Comedian podcast and today the comedian whose head we are getting deeply inside or at least attempting to. He's a pretty lean guy and I think his mental health is robust. Uh, this is Nigel Ung. You are going to get a lot out of this. I, I um, You will hear the pleasure in my voice as I talk to someone who is so... Um, What's, what's the phrase? His mind is kind of very well put together and early on in the episode I discovered that he's has a background as a data scientist which explains a lot and um, so you can probably hear my delight in talking to him uh, about the content of this episode. We're going to talk about the Edinburgh Festival and why it might not really be necessary for someone in Nigel's position uh, seeing as he has such an incredible work ethic and such an efficient and productive approach to releasing stuff on social media. You've got to follow him Mr. Nigel Ung, M-R-N-I-G-E-L-N-G, uh, on Instagram and indeed TikTok. I imagine at least three of you are on TikTok. Um, but that is blowing up right now, as the young people say. We're going to be talking about um Nigel's qualms about being too old for some of the meme-based language he uses online at the tender age of twenty-something. Um, and uh we are gonna talk about his personal life and whether that has been affected by uh, his his natural predilection towards efficiency. This is a really fun episode. If you go to comedianscomedian.com slash insiders, we get stuck into the nitty gritty about some of his social media strategies. If you're serious about your comedy, then I suggest you listen to that, if only to feel terrible that you don't uh, attack it all with the gusto and verve that Nigel does. But nonetheless, uh, here is the wonderful Nigel Ung. I think we can just jump in. I was trying to think back to the the first time we met. I remember gigging with you in central London in like a 99, was it a 99 club venue? Matt Green was hosting and it was above, uh, it's one of those things that's in the back of like a casino or a <laughs> on top of a cinema or something. Do you remember that gig? There's no reason you remember
1: uh, I that I do thing. a lot of 99 club gigs, so it, it, it does sound familiar that we met there. Yep. I think that's where we met. I remember you had a bit about um, a bit
0: where the punchline was a ghost. I don't remember the bit, but was it about being a ghost or?
1: Is it the reincarnation bit?
0: It was the reincarnation bit, the reincarnation
1: bit. We can say it on the pod if you want.
0: What was the what was the bit? I don't remember the bit. I'm just kind of trying to... Because I remember watching it thinking, like, I thought of a tag for you during that bit. And then by the end of your set, by the end of your set, I, the your set, I thought, um, I don't need to give this guy tags. I should be
1: asking him for tags. Well, <laughs> but you did give me the tag. So thank you. <laughs> uh, the joke oh, is... And we're just going to just read it out because it's weird to perform it. Uh, okay. I grew up believing... Reincarnation, but I realize now it's a dumb thing to believe in because if I still believe in reincarnation now, I'll just keep killing myself until I hit white middle-class male. <laughs> that's the first chunk of the joke, really. But yeah. Great premise. Great Thank premise. You.
0: Thank and, you. And very typical of you, very lean, right? Like yeah. lean stuff, premise, bang, 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 bang. That's all the stuff from it, next premise. It's quite, an I think of it as quite an
1: American style. Oh, really? I, I, oh, it's just who I am. I just, I just think that's who I am. I'm straight to the point. I don't waffle, you know, so I just I, I, I like to get to the point. I, I bore myself really easily, so I just want to get to the point quicker.
0: Okay, and, but you, you, do you recognize that that makes for a particular um, a particular leanness in your work? Like you're not like, you're not like a one-liner guy, but you are very you're very adept at getting the most out of uh, a subject and oh, thank just you. hitting it, bang, 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 bang. Yeah, you know, you're, an, you're an impressive comic, right? Do you feel that? You're, you're very new to comedy in the UK. You've done One Hour Show. You did your debut at Edinburgh last year.
1: Yes, yes, I did. And yeah, I'm lean. You know, also, you, you comedy reflects who you are, right? I'm also a lean person physically. So I think it, it all fits together. You know, it's the right vibe. <laughs> it's the right vibe. Do you,
0: in, what do you mean by that? Because, I mean, we could, you could riff, you could joke about being lean physically and being a thin guy or what have you. But in terms of leanness... Like you are, you are, a, you have a lean lifestyle it's, it's, in as much as I know about it, because you seem very efficient and measured and considered in everything you do. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I try to be. That's, that's pretty fair. Sometimes to a <laughs> fault. Sometimes you, you, there's like culture clash with people here. So like, I, I don't like small talk. You know, when, when the pandemic started, everybody started out emails with like, I oh, hope you're doing well in this really weird time. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> I couldn't stand that at all, but I, I try. I just put it in because you know it's a nice thing to do. So yeah, I think it reflects me who I am.
0: So let's talk a bit about who you are before we get into your comedy, because I only know you from comedy. Like you, you were you. Kuala Lumpur is your hometown. Yes. Tell me about that. I don't know that. I, I don't know that I've met someone from Kuala Lumpur before.
1: Uh, KL. It's great. It's great. I lived uh, near the city, so it's it's. I grew up in Malaysia. Twenty years of my life there before I went to America or university, then I moved over here. And I would say culturally, I still retain a lot of my Malaysianness. And KL, it's hard to describe, man. Like, how would you describe living in, like, west of England, you know? <laughs> how would you describe living near Bristol? Near you know, Bristol? If,
0: oh, I've got lots of ways to describe Bristol. I suppose, I, I see what you mean. I, like, I've given you a kind of a, a how long's a piece of string question yeah. very early up. Yeah. But, but, you know, like, um, Bristol, I think, is... Uh, Really satisfied with its its kind of undergroundness, whilst not being that underground. Do you know uh, what I mean?
1: Okay, okay. Well, so a...
0: tell me, where's, where, how does Kuala Lumpur feel about itself?
1: We feel we are one of we are fortunate to be one of the more developed countries, but we are not the most developed, so we still retain some personality. You know, we are not Singapore, okay. so I think quality of life as a standard standard of living there is pretty decent uh, for Asia. Uh, obviously, okay. nothing compared to here. But it was still pretty decent. I didn't grow up hungry or anything. So it, it, was, it, was, a good, it was a good childhood. And I would say, it's, again, it's an Asian mentality, right? So not a lot of people pursue something creative. So I, I, I was uh, planning to be, uh, you know, I, I, have, I would never have thought I could become a comedian. I was thinking, oh, engineer, maybe doctor, lawyer, that kind of thing. So that's very common in Asian cultures. Unless you're like rich and westernized when you grew up, then that's a different story. But I grew up okay. very typically uh, Chinese-Malaysian.
0: Okay, which is which is the, to say that your expectations are defined by your parents' expectations of your career.
1: Um, what I wouldn't even say it's my parents, really. Yeah, my parents had those expectations, but I had those expectations too. You know, you 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 graduate, go to university, find a white nice white collar job, stable career, stable income. But then I always, as a kid, I've always had a creative streak. My whole family had it, except my parents. My brother, my sister, and I—we all are doing something creative now, which. Who knows where it came from? Because I talk to a lot of uh, immigrants who are doing something creative and they say, oh, their parents had like these creative ambitions, but they had to give them up. Like a parent would run a Chinese takeaway, but they would be drawing behind the receipt. But they had to give up that dream because they had to support a family. And that's why now, now as a second generation person, they are pursuing a creative thing. And their parents are, you know, okay with that because that's them chasing their, their dream, right? But I, I was okay, thinking, right. like, my parents had no creative inclination. <laughs> so they had no hidden talents whatsoever. So I don't know where, why we all became, like, creative types.
0: I really enjoyed I saw that uh, clip on your Twitter from the Comedy Central uh, thing of you doing material to your dad.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. That is, uh, uh, it's, you know, comedians in quarantine. So I just tried out a few uh, jokes over Skype to my dad. Yeah.
0: It's it was genuinely joyous to see your dad. It's such because I think of I, I, it's often fun to see comedians parents because it gives you it's like, you know, you invite someone back to your house. They meet your family and suddenly they see you in a whole you make yourself vulnerable by revealing where you come from. Yes. But I think also with you, it's just lovely to see like a smiley older guy laughing at your jokes because it, it kind of it, it clashed in a really entertaining way with your composure and precision as a performer.
1: Yes, it's uh it's hard to make jokes work back in Malaysia if they're not in your same age group. Okay, you know because why is that? Culturally, it's it's just so so different. You know, like if I go back to Malaysia and I like performing in Asia, I I try to go back there once a year. Obviously, this year is not going to happen, but I try to go back there once a year, and it's it's just a different vibe. Culturally, is different, right? So all the jokes about me moving to the UK those won't work. Mm-hmm. right so i have to tweak the, the jokes to that so that's already one level one level removed and mm-hmm. if they're a different age group my parents generation then that's another layer removed so you, you see what i mean right that's you, know, you don't yeah, do really you, have do you, a common
0: do you think that's more the case in Malaysia? like the difference the, the kind of culture gap between someone your age and someone your dad's age is greater in malaysia than it would be in the uk
1: For my background, yes, because I'm quite westernized now, right? Yes, okay. So my my parents, they have to get over the western-eastern thing, and then they have to get over the age gap thing. Whereas here, if I perform here, it's just an age gap thing.
0: Yes, okay. I suppose what I'm driving at is kind of wondering whether the – like. Like, my dad is pretty conversant with the internet. My dad's discovered memes about two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he gets his memes from a yeah. caravan website. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that's late, like though. Caravanning for years.
1: Okay, and, oh, that's uh, a bit late. but
0: that's, I mean, that's a bit late, but, you know, he's in his 70s. That's yeah. okay. Um, and I, but I think the, the speed at which our parents... The speed at which we have become different from our parents. Like, mm-hmm. I'm in my early 40s. You're in your, I guess... 20s late 20s late 20s yeah so the the speed with which you and I is already massively different the difference between us culturally because of how everything's exploded online mm. like you know like I and and I think it's particularly pertinent to you because so much of your output is online you're a real beast on like Instagram we've had a conversation <laughs> about TikTok you know you're like you and again it's lean it's efficient you're like what works you're studying things you're trying to make content not just work comedically obviously that's a big part of it but more so than a lot of comics operating in the UK at the moment you are trying to finesse your content in order to do well on social platforms
1: yeah thanks yeah when I mean you should do, be doing that right when you put something online you want it to do well right yeah
0: yeah 100% but I, I think someone my age is far more inclined to go Look, there's a thing online no I guess the internet just isn't for me <laughs> you know I mean? <laughs> um and it's it's not purely your age i'm i'm uh i'm talking about but also just you're kind of like i noticed one of the punchlines in one of your i've been watching a bit of your the stuff you've got on instagram and like having uh, you've got a bit about bok choy and the fact that yes. bok choy is uh, like huge in, in you know western supermarkets and uh like there's a there was a moment where it, like these kind of subtitles bounced up on the screen and it's like thick with two c's af now mm-hmm. i know what that means i know enough memes to know what that means, but it's not something I could ever subtitle on a thing without just feeling fucking ridiculous. Whereas you're <laughs> native to that kind of online language, right?
1: Well, you say that sometimes I feel too old. Like I'm on <laughs> TikTok, I'm very active on TikTok. I'm like, oh my god, am I am I that old guy with a skateboard right now? Yeah, you know? <laughs> hey fellow kids. <laughs> yeah, <Yes.
0: laughs> that's interesting. That's interesting. That's let's talk about that because you know that must be a. Um, that must be a, a, a risk of that kind of, of you know, being an being an adopter of you know whatever the kids are into. That's what we're all into, right? The kids. I sound ridiculous, but you know. So, so is that you have that fear? I'm fascinated to hear that you have that fear of like, am I too old for this?
1: Yeah, S- sometimes, man. Sometimes, like because I make a lot of content online, you can't help but be influenced by the online, online like culture and the meme meme culture and stuff, right? So sure. I, I've started saying thick, thick a lot, you know? That that was a year and a half ago, I wasn't saying thick at all. Before <laughs> I started my online content journey, I wasn't saying where it's like thick, where it's like what else? Lit? I wasn't saying lit. Sure. <laughs> I haven't so used the you... hundred emoji.
0: <laughs> do you do you how does that change? For someone who really has a foot firmly in both camps of like um doing big stuff online, <laughs> big stuff online is the least <laughs> articulate thing I've said today. Um, but you have you you do strong live work. You're not just like a YouTuber or, an, you know, you're not in, I don't even know what the word is, a comic who is who lives exclusively on Instagram or TikTok. You're a proper live act. You know, you're a headliner. Oh, like, you know, you're, you're a very strong live act. So as someone who has, there's there's your real self, there's your performative self uh, in a stand-up club or at a tour show or wherever, and then there's your performative self online. Let's talk about the differences in, in tone and who you are, uh, the decisions you make about who you are.
1: Okay, wow, where, where to start? Oh, so, I can see you
0: smiling. This is good, it, 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 <laughs> it, is,
1: it is. I knew you were going to ask this. And it's a tough question because I'm at the stage right now where most of my gigs is through, is through like circuit and club work. Right? Yep. Yes, I do the, the the solo show, the tour show every now and then, but I wouldn't even call it touring because, you know, I. Anyways, the solo show, I do some <laughs> well, of that. Well
0: done for having the humility of a newer act to not call it touring when you do the odd show around the place. <laughs> yeah, not everyone just, shares that.
1: <laughs> you're just printing flyers for a pub, you know? You just, <laughs> I wouldn't call that a tour. <laughs> you, you know what I mean, right? You're sta- yeah, t- if you of have to staple course. stuff in Brighton on lampposts. Yep. That's not a tour, mate. Yep. But, anyways. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I, okay, I'll I say and Let's start with the online stuff first Because the online stuff I have to My audience online is quite Asian mm-hmm. So that's not to say I only do Asian stuff But the Asian stuff tends to work better Right? Okay. And I would say being Asian is Is part of who I am And I love mm-hmm. it because A lot of those things I won't be able to do in a club In Bath, you know In Bath Comedia I can't do my bok choy bit In Bath Comedia Nobody will know what I'm talking about Sure. Right? So I'm very fortunate that I get to express myself. Uh, my Asian culture type jokes, Asian parents are different, that kind of thing on, online, which is great. So in my live stand-up work on the circuit, where it's like going to a club where it's a neutral audience, as in an mm-hmm. audience who doesn't already know and like me, then, yeah, it's like you know general, I don't want to say generic, but like just general, more accessible stand-up to the British public. Mm-hmm. Right? But when I do my solo shows... It's that general stand-up vibe with like a twenty percent Asian-ness infused into it.
0: Sure. Okay. So that's so that's the that's the material. But how do you like do you speak differently? I feel like I feel like in your Instagram stuff you kind of inflect words differently. Really? I never yeah. That. I there's something there's something about or maybe it's more maybe it's more true to say that in your Instagram stuff that's closer to you, you now as we're having this conversation and your on-stage persona is a bit more kind of heightened because you're doing stand-up. But do you, uh, do you feel there is like a different tone to how you're behaving? Is there like, you know, like a different walk, metaphorically, I mean?
1: Um, no, I, I feel my Instagram stuff is too similar to my stand-up delivery. It's surprising that you say that. Oh, really?
0: Okay, Come yeah. on. Why because, would you say too similar?
1: Because I feel like you when you make content online... I feel like, especially coming from a stand-up background, a lot of the stuff becomes very stand-up. You, you, I end, I end up making a lot of straight down the camera, delivering a bit type content, right? Okay. So I'm trying to explore different avenues of making online videos and not just deliver it straight down the camera because it always works better on a live stage setting anyway. So I'm thinking, can I make some sketches? Can I make some other things? You know. Okay. So I always feel like, oh, again, I'm delivering stuff down the camera with my old stand-up vibes that. Cartoony, exaggerated expression—you know that kind of—I'm, sure. I'm frowning and shaking my head into the camera, but nobody can see it. Um, so I, I don't—I don't think so. I think I think I speak the same. Maybe in an Asian show, because when people come to see my solo shows, especially in London, it's like eighty percent Asian, which is quite—I I, I love that fact because you know I did my solo show at Soho Theatre and people came. It's eighty percent Asian, and that's the most Asian people I've seen in Soho Theatre ever. It's really <laughs> cool. So, if it's a majority Asian crowd, then maybe i I sprinkle in a few like accent based stuff you know mm-hmm. i if i if I do an impression on my parents, I would infuse them with an accent mm-hmm. but it's every everything else is similar really
0: and and just on that on the um the whether or not to talk down the camera online like something i'm discovering like as i'm you know I'm doing this show on Twitch at the moment yes. that i'm I'm kind of having to. I'm not exactly unlearned but i 'm just i 'm aware that my instincts as a live stand up, which is you know the majority of my working life um, i don 't know whether those are right instincts anymore whether they 're useful instincts like, um, like just a dumb example with the show this the infinite sofa chat show i 'm doing i don 't know whether whether it 's so in jokey that it 's becoming exclusive or whether I should lean into the in jokes because that 's what the internet loves, so in a similar way, performatively. I'm I'm kind of um, I'm delivering stuff straight down the barrel and behaving like a you know, Saturday night talk show host, which isn't what Twitch is designed for. But it's it, do you know what I mean, it's, it's like I don't know whether I should do that more or do that less. So in, in a similar way, I suppose, when you do an Instagram video, do mm-hmm. you feel like if you just deliver it all straight down the barrel, people will think that you're a stand up trying to be an Instagram person? Does that or is there some version of that argument in your
1: head? The argument that goes through my head is when I just when I just do it straight down the camera it's like oh I've done it before how can we spice things up you know so I an, see, I see. an example okay. because I always want to do something a bit different you know I always want to explore new avenues so an example if you see the bok choy video yeah I had someone filming it and I told told the person the videographer to zoom in here you know do like a reality yes, yes, sitcom style it. Yeah, zoom. Yeah. So that's my little way of infusing it with something different. Or if you see that bok choy bit on TikTok, it's the same zoom, same clip, but with background music. So that's another way you could improve it. Or you could use video effects on TikTok. So just just something different to keep people entertained.
0: And because I know you, I think a little, I know that you're not just doing that for the sake of just, hey, doing something different. You're experimenting, right? It's an iteration. Yeah, yeah You're iteration. You're like, let's see, if it, let's see if it's more successful with these camera angles. Let's see if it's more successful
1: with these. Exactly. There's a thing... I used to work as a data scientist, and there's a thing we call... Ex- I didn't know that. Sorry, exploration- I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's all right. I'm
0: thrilled to find that out. Go on, go on.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, well, I, had a, I had a full-time... I had a day job, full-time, then part-time, up until all, uh, last September. Okay. So, and, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that. You know, I think... By the way, side note: I think too many comics are like they put too much weight on. Oh, I'm a full time comic, but (laughs) there's no glory if you if you're mid thirties and still live with roommates. Get a day job, man. It's more there's more shame still having roommates in your thirties than having a day job. Like, what's the maybe it's immigrant mentality? But I didn't move here to be poor. I didn't move to the UK. I didn't abandon my family back in Malaysia to be poor. Yeah, I'm but, sure I understood. <laughs> well, oh, data scientists. So we had a thing called exploration versus exploitation, right? So to get that balance. So exploration is trying something new, iter- iterating, see if it works, if it works, keep it. Yep. If it doesn't, throw it out. Exploitation is just using what you know works. So to okay. progress in whatever field, you got to have a mixture of both. So that, okay. that's how I think. I don't operate like that uh, consciously, but I think subconsciously, that's what I'm doing.
0: Yes, I have we've got to spend a bit more time on this because of course you're a data scientist. Now I know that. That's one of those moments like, <laughs> yes,
1: that's how you operate.
0: Yeah, okay. So let's let's um we'll come back to the online stuff. Let's talk about that mentality when it comes to writing material. Because obviously you could look at that from like I I don't see it like this, but I could imagine that someone listening might go, is is there a danger of your material being workmanlike rather than artistic? if you if you naturally take a scientific approach to it
1: uh yeah maybe maybe but it's it's just what i like to do you know and it's it's me and only people who do the fringe a lot will ask this question (laughs) right (laughs) because oh it's all very artsy up there uh but yeah i mean yeah there definitely is that worry but as long as i'm happy with what i do i don't really care Yes,
0: but I'm, I'm, I I don't, I mean, I I am really fascinated with iterative testing when it comes to comedy and when it comes to not just the writing, when it comes to the career, when it's like, what can this be? We're in this incredibly privileged position to have a job where it can be anything. Mm -hmm. And yet so many of us seem to go, oh, we're supposed to do this. I'll do what we're supposed to do. One of the things that excites me about you is you seem to have this mentality of like, let's, let's try it and find out and try something else and try something else and try something else. So can you give me some examples of how that? and it may not apply to the writing process, but can you think of any ways in which you behave in that kind of iterative or kind of data science-y way when you're working on material?
1: Changing specific parts of the joke. So... So, Solid examples, please. uh, So I had a... I think I have a bit where... Let me, let, me, let me have a think. I think I have a bit about, and I can, I can say the bit to you. Um, I, I, I envy the people who live in the UK because, you know, even if they completely fuck up their lives here, be total losers here, they can still go to Asia and teach English. Yeah. Right? That, that's the main premise. And then there's one line in there. I, just, I go, go on and on a little bit about how, you know, I, and that ends up with, oh, I had a Malaysian friend who went to Glasgow to study English. Right. I mean, that's a waste of time. And then I did an act out of someone, a Malaysian guy going back home. And then he just does an accent like, all right, you wee ball back, you know, so, something like that. So sure. There's a version of that joke without that accent and a version of that joke with that accent. And the, the one with that accent works better. So I kept it. OK, you know? sure. Even though, yeah, the accent sucks. But pe- people get what I'm trying to do. And yes. people just find it amusing that an Asian person is doing, try, attempting to do a Glaswegian accent. And, sure. you know, I get a free pass because it's still OK, okay to do accents if they're white or if yeah, you're in the yeah. same race system.
0: True story. And it's yeah. kind of one of the other things that I, I, I think I've observed you kind of have a free pass for is you're Malaysian and you can do jokes about being Chinese.
1: Yes, because, I, you know, I, I get away with it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You like you get away with it. Do you, how do you feel about that? Your like your expression at the moment is like, yeah, OK, busted. Do you know, is that like, how do you feel about that? Do you feel that that's your territory?
1: Mm, yeah, because what, one, uh, I'm Chinese Malaysian, so my great grandparents are from China. So culturally, there's a lot of Chineseness about me, like customs okay. wise, you know, funerals and weddings. There are a lot gotcha. of similarities. I'm not saying I'm 100 percent. If you compare me to a Chinese person. Cultural, customs-wise, you know, there are some overlap there, definitely. Okay, okay. And the second thing is, you know, what else can I... That's the only thing you guys know, right? (laughs) If I I say (laughs) Asian, then you you, first thing you think of is Pakistani, South Asian person. Sure, sure. I have to say Chinese. I would love to say Malaysian if the the typical comedy club goer knows the nuance and specifics. You know, it's the same if you are a British person and you perform in Malaysia. You're not going to say, oh, I'm from outside Bath. You're going to say I'm yeah. from the UK. So you lose a I degree the, of specificity. I love that Bath
0: is your go-to for, like, examples of Englishness.
1: Yeah. <laughs> second,
0: re- second mention of Bath in this conversation.
1: Yeah, sorry, um, man. But, yeah.
0: So um, oh, I had another thought there, which is that you're, like, in, in, with regard to the kind of the, the iterations of, of material, of trying jokes out, do you subscribe to the idea that whatever gets the biggest laugh is therefore the best joke? Or like I suppose what I'm getting at is is the the relationship between science and art in what you do. Because we we know that you can get a big laugh from something or one can get a big laugh from something that isn't necessarily one's most original or cleverest joke. What's what's the relationship between that and the kind of scientific approach to testing?
1: I think you still need to have some standards, right? I can go and I've done this before and I'm ashamed to admit it. I can go somewhere in like first time I went to Dublin and Ireland to perform. I was, I mean, a year into the UK. So I was like, Oh, holy holy shit. I was still new here. And I went to Dublin. So I opened my set with, Hey, I'm not here to fix your iPhone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know that, that gets a big laugh. Sure. Okay. But I hate myself after that. (laughs) So yes, you have subject to some constraints, right? Okay. Yeah. The biggest laughs you can get while still at least not being hacked you know i like to think i'm not hack but who knows who knows no hack comic does their stuff think knowing that they're hack right they all think they're super original <laughs> yeah, that's
0: a really good point right
1: <laughs>
0: dude i wonder if they do i wonder there must be someone out there who's like me i'm a hack
1: <laughs> you know what i mean and i'm getting by and i'm doing my thing if they make a lot of money then maybe but if they are like a circuit comic and they're still hack they probably don't know they're. hack you know what i mean <laughs> Sure, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, you, did I answer
0: your question? I, I don't. Um, you, you did, but I feel there's more to get out of it. I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea of, and I don't, I don't want mean to pin you down as like, hey, you're the data science comic. I know there's a lot more to you than that, but I think if that is part of your, like an an in an inherent part of your personality, you said before, that's just like, that's just how I see the world. That's just how I do things. I suppose I'm interested in sort of finding out what you have discovered about comedy through testing. Do you think you've happened upon things that other people haven't noticed, particularly? Can you think of any things that you've observed? Or
1: I don't. I think we all test to a certain extent, right? You've got a new bit, you try it out at a club, you keep the stuff that works, you dump the stuff that don't, and then you refresh it, try it again, and that, that's testing, right? Maybe I do it to a more anal level like i I listen back to every set i do i have a voice recording app that plays at 2x speed which i highly recommend every comic to have i discovered that years ago it's It's like oh it saves you so much time so you listen to your hour show in 30 minutes right
0: (laughs) i listen to audiobooks like that because i can't bear the slow speed at which people read audiobooks i always go (laughs) 1.7
1: get it done (laughs) i listen to all podcasts at 1.5 yeah
0: so this reminds me I spoke to Roy Wood Jr on the podcast and he uh looks at the waveform. He looks at the waveform of his of his you know of his gigs to go. There's a big laugh, there's a gap. There's there's too much quiet there, which is even more efficient again. Yeah. But so listening back at two times speed, what are you listening for? Is it just listening for laughs? Because one would one might suspect you would miss nuance or texture or richness in the pursuit of being analytical about where the laughs come.
1: Hmm, mm, going to listen to it, God, it's so long now, Stu, since I did a uh, live video yeah, right, I had to yeah. listen back to. So <laughs> <laughs> let me try to jog my memory. I would say it's it's really a feeling. You know, like I don't, I can see where Roy Wood Jr. is coming from. And yes, to some extent, my mind's doing that. Okay, there's a big waveform here, big decibel levels. And then a lot of silence, cut this silence part out. But it's also a feeling, right? Sometimes you feel, oh, it's, oh, I'm taking a while to set this joke up. But, you know. It's okay, Feel, feels all right. It, it, it's worth it at the end because at the end I have like seven punchlines in a row. So it's okay to take you know 30 more seconds to set this up. So uh, losing texture. Honestly, I don't even know what texture is. Every time you describe a joke on this podcast, you use such vague terms like a fine artist. Like, this is a joke. It's not like exhibits in, a, in the MoMA, you know? So you're like, texture and stru- I still don't know what structure is to this day. People say, oh, your, your show had a very good structure. What? So it's just a callback at the end, you know. It's, <laughs> what, a, what a structure mean? Yeah, p- these very like uh, eloquent, lofty terms, terms, but I still really don't know what they are. And they just, if they feel right to me, and I feel like there's enough variation in it. So if a joke sure. has an act out, maybe a part where I whisper and then a part where I yell, uh, a part where I get a laugh without using the words at all. Then, yeah, it's a great yeah. joke, great bit, a lot of variety. People won't get bored so yeah yep i think i think
0: using lofty words whether it's texture or whatever else it's just an attempt to actually to to articulate and to share it's precisely that quality you're talking about when it just feels right do Uh... you know what i mean if something feels right you can't really you know that's it's like you might my idea of what feels right might be different to different to yours but if i can say look at the texture of this mitch hedberg joke you know, when he says, I used to do drugs, I still do, but I used to too. Uh-huh. And the fact that it's, I used to too, or, I used to too. Do you know what I mean? There's something uh, about that that feels right, right? It, it's, yeah. It's, it, yeah. So it's that I'm like just defending snappy, my pretentious
1: snappy. speech. But well, it's, yeah. It's also like it's fringe maybe- fringe theater culture. You know, in the UK, comedy is very entwined with theater culture. So that's why you use words like that, I think.
0: Yeah, maybe. I, I Yeah, that's interesting. But that's... Um, did you start doing comedy in the UK?
1: No, US, US. In the US. Yeah, okay. You think so Dave that... Chappelle sits around with his pals. Yeah, the texture of that joke was great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your time in the US and how you and, and starting out in the US. I
1: oh, just an open micro there, really. I did it once a week, twice up to twice a week, three times a week max uh, last year. Chicago. So okay. uh, the m- most I did was feature. Feature w- would be like uh, at a weekend club, you go on before the headliner doing 15 to 25 minutes. And mm-hmm. then the headliner does 45. So mm-hmm. that was the most I did. And that was only like the last six months I was in the US. So i would say majority of the time in the US, I was just an open micer, but I gradually got decent, you know? Okay. I, I, I would say I'm the first to admit I don't have a lot of natural talent when it comes to this and everything a lot of times I feel like I'm learning this stuff through a th- simulation. Let me just, oh, let's see what other stand-ups do and then tr- pretend to be a stand-up for a while until that skill sure. becomes natural. Yeah. So, and I and I still feel that. I actually have a note document that I dug up for this uh, in my phone <laughs> stating all the lists I've yet to acquire and all the skills I've yet to acquire, all the skills I've acquired, but keep on honing, you know? Okay. So, all all those little things like pacing around the stage. I had to consciously practice that because... You don't, you don't even think about the logistics until you start doing it. Because like, okay, there's a wire on the floor. What do I do? There's a, the mic cable. I see Kevin Hart doing a big arena show and he's just swooshing the mic cable. I'm like, okay, I probably can't do that at the comedy store. I look very pretentious, you know? Okay, so I can't swoosh the mic cable away. What do I do? Do I step over it? Do I step on it? Do I worry about that at all? How do I make sure I don't tug on the mic while I pace around the stage? So, you know, things like that. So Eventually, it became natural. But, you know, that's amazing.
0: That's amazing, because that's like it's really funny. Sometimes the advice I often give newer acts is don't do an impression of what a comedian is. But actually, I really I, I do think that and I'm not, you know, you obviously you're a great comic in your own right. But I mean, it's really interesting to hear someone approach it by like i watched a video. Kevin Hart did this. Maybe I should do that. Do you know what I mean? And that's a very kind of egoless way of approaching the the art form right the craft
1: yeah well don't do an impression of a comedian but you can pick up certain things i just feel like you know say the mic swooshing thing it could it's just like if you use a sport analogy it's just learning how to do a backhand it's a specific move you can do pacing around the stage yes. is a specific move you can do to enhance your game or to enhance your jokes and it did enhance my joke another thing that i got through trial and error it just because on stage i have this very confident vibe so certain punch lines where it's like a if it's like a type of list type punchline, if I pace, 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 as I uh, think A, think B, think C, and then I pace, 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 it, it, adds, it adds to it. And I know it adds to it because the laughter sounds better and on video it looks good. So it just feels right. You know, yes. that's why I pace around the stage. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's interesting. I remember Tez saying, um, he, I hadn't noticed that Chris Rock does this thing of like repeating the punchline and clapping. Mm -hmm. which I feel like is now what everyone does with the clapping emoji on all Instagram messages, (laughs) you know, clapping in between the words, but uh, that's a, that's a Chris Rock thing to me, but yeah, kind of recognizing those tropes and like, I suppose kind of tunneling into them and going, what is the benefit of doing this rather than simply copying them for its own sake? Because that's what it, that's what it seems like comedians do.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to, if you, you have to know why you're doing it and how it can improve your act. Right. Sure.
0: This is Nigel. These are the fastest blurbs I've ever done. Uh, As you may be aware, if you've been following what I'm up to online, the various demands of my new internet chat show, The Infinite Sofa, uh chops comedy online and this podcast and all the other bits and bobs that I'm doing some of which currently are under wraps not to mention my new podcast with Sindhu V child labor uh which uh, we had a great episode go live this Monday with Mr Spencer Jones uh fantastic his dad used to be an undercover cop that's a belter of an episode um, you can find that by searching child labor podcast on anything or going to childlaborpod.com but rest assured that site is not even a site, it's a web page, I made it, and it's rubbish, but it does contain all the links you need to subscribe to it, regardless of what device you use. The beginning of this sentence, a long time ago, was due to all those various uh, demands, these are super fast blurbs, and if you are concerned for my mental health in the face of the the growing evidence of, let's not call it officially mania, um, but... It's been a busy three months. I'm taking a week off. Uh, There will be an episode next week and maybe even the week after that because I'm going to prep some in advance. But I'm taking off Glastonbury weekend, which is the, well, Glastonbury week because we'd always go for six or seven days. God love that festival. It was going to be the 10th anniversary of me meeting my wife at Glastonbury and instead we are going to have I dare say, a week-long festival in our pants in the family home. So uh, I am going to unplug from everything, and that will do me a lot of good. Uh, I hope that you're in a position where you can do something the same. If you are uh, something similar, if you are um, uh, on the front line somewhere, still fighting this awful, awful disease, then God speed to you. And sorry to be rubbing my uh, forthcoming free time in your face. Um, I'm not going to post-amble at you after this one for the aforementioned reasons, but uh, I'll give you a, we'll do a little two-minute one. Um, If you are, as I know you are, uh, a fan of interesting, funny things, then please do check out not only Nigel and Evelyn Mock's podcast, Rice to meet you, which is very funny indeed, and uh, and Nigel's enormous uh output all over social media and really funny sketches and uh, just clips of his stand up and stuff. But he's he's really doing it all properly, and you can learn a lot from him. And um, then not only should you check that out, but also do take the time to go to InfiniteSofa.com and check out my new chat show. I'm not going to tell you too much about it. Big headline guests. We've had Russell Howard, Sarah Millican, Darrow Breen in the past. Who knows who will be on when you when the time you're hearing this. Um, it's a lot of fun. We are using conf- the conference tool Zoom to stream to a platform called Twitch, but none of that means anything and I don't want it to scare you. Just go to infinitesofa.com and you can find out all about this brilliant new thing I'm doing. I think you're really going to enjoy it. It's on loads, so don't feel you need to be a ComCompletist about it, but I've basically just got my own TV show twice a week and it's bloody lovely. So have a little suss at that. And if you're in the ComCom Facebook group, you will be entertained to hear the different ways in which I I'm talking about it now as a result of your feedback. Let's get back to this episode with Nigel Ng.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
0: let's take it down from kevin hart but i don't i because i don't think you are planning to make a comfortable living i think you're planning to be very successful
1: yeah i mean my level of comfort might be higher than most people yeah (laughs) (laughs) i shop at john lewis a lot so (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah Um, we all have ambition right
0: yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. So I'm saying, so you're like you're you're being kind of deferent about your ambition, going, oh, I just you know, want a comfortable life and sell some tickets. Yeah, and stuff. That's, but like, that's, what is? What, trying to what be is, British
1: here, man. To, you, people don't like it when you say, oh, I want to, I want to, I want to be a
0: star. People hate it. Well, fuck them. I'm asking you what you want. What do you want? What would satisfy you? What would what would what is the the end game?
1: What is the end game? Uh, yeah, be successful. Keep like every year, sell more and more tickets. You know. Growth, growth. Like is yep. that
0: like like growth rather than a particular number of tickets sold? Like, do you want to do? Obviously, every time I ask someone if they want to do arenas, everyone always says no. I want to do kind of like five hundred seaters. That's kind oh of yeah.
1: Me- <laughs> I mean, that, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I want to do arenas. Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> so to to get there, you need just your and your growth. Hopefully, you know, if you can fifty percent your and your increase your ticket sales, and you're well on your way, man. Right, compound. Right. If every year is 50, my God, every year 50%, you'll get to the Arena and like, that's in a decade.
0: So it strikes me that going to Edinburgh doesn't seem like it's the sort of thing I'd expect you to do. Because Edinburgh is such a, it's such a, there's so many variables. It's a crowded marketplace. Mm-hmm. Someone who's into scientific testing and, you know, working out the smart way to do things. Doesn't, I why would you go to Edinburgh?
1: Because I did it before last year's debut, I did uh, a 45. And then before the 45, I did uh, a Pleasant's Reserve. So I knew when I did my debut hour, I would have some eyeballs on me. So I've, And another reason is because I started doing this Instagram stuff January of last year, 2019, January, February, the online content stuff. So that was already, a liberal was already finalized, you know? So I'm going, <laughs> and then, oh, this is kind of nice too. Uh, so I, I realized uh, in the end, yeah, it's kind of already finalized, and give it a shot. Doesn't hurt because debut hour, I know you get some attention as a debut hour, and especially when I, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but I know if I do something in the Pleasance, I'll get some industry eyeballs on my show as well. I went up there. Uh, the goal was just to, you know, do good shows, do shows that I'm proud of, keep writing new stuff in the show or write new stuff outside the show. Uh, I I was very fortunate to be nominated for that Newcomer Award, but I wasn't even... It never occurred to me that I would ever be in the contending because, you know, Edinburgh is so artsy-fartsy, highbrow, theatery, <laughs> texture, and, and structure, and all that stuff, and a message at the end. And, uh, yeah, like, the style of writing in Edinburgh, sometimes I feel, not everybody, but... <clears throat> I've been to a lot of shows where it feels like it's a show about saying something and then you punch up. Whereas I feel like I just want to tell, show people why something is funny. You yeah. know, I, you know, you know, there's a difference in writing styles. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So I'd never in a thousand years dream of even, you know, being close to that award, but I just thought it would, it's an open, decent investment. And it was before I, you know, saw the, the potential in social media. That's why I did it. So if Edinburgh was happening this year, would you go back? Well, I, was you planning, you planning I, I wasn't back? planning to go. go uh, I wasn't planning on going back this year anyway. And oh, uh, I remember my my agent tried to convince me back in December and January. She spent a lot of time on the phone, saying, "Oh, you should do it. You should totally do it." And I called her last week, saying, "Remember that conversation we had? What a waste <laughs> of time, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> that is, I'm
0: I'm pleased to have had my. Uh, uh, my uh, thoughts, my suspicions about your approach to Edinburgh confirmed. I think that's very funny that like you went because you'd already booked it, but actually things were taking off online and it it does make, for what you do, it it arguably doesn't make that much sense to go to Edinburgh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And also there's not my, my audience isn't really there. You know, it's so tough when you do an Instagram swipe up a story and you do a swipe up in the Instagram story You can see how many people swipe up and actually click the link to go buy tickets, right, to go to the ticket yep. website. So when I did shows in London, oh, tons of clicks. Great. And then I did Brighton Fringe, no clicks. I did Edinburgh, like, two clicks. It's, oh, my God. what? what why? <laughs> there are no Asians here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I wonder just with the, with the kind of how do you feel what do you feel is your place in the comedy community? Does it interest you? Like, do you like, I know you like live gigging, uh-huh. but do you like hanging out in green rooms with other comics or are you a bit like, let's do the gig. Let's get the fuck out of here.
1: Oh, I hang out. Yeah. I hang out. I think I hang out. Okay. When I do the glees. Yeah. I go, I go early to you know, prepare my set and then I, I sit and chat, have a beer. I, I, I like hanging out. So and you, yeah.
0: Do, do you recognize any kindred spirits? in the UK comedy scene with regard to efficiency and productivity
1: and leanness and all those things? Oh, it's just not a British quality in general. (laughs) Sorry to say that. Your country, it's good. But, I mean, sometimes being too efficient is is a fault too. You know, I've ruined a lot of relationships due to that. But I, I, I drink Huel, which is a lifestyle choice a lot of people aren't comfortable with. You know, drink you drink huel. You know what huel is? It's like a powder. You mix in water, and it's it's a full meal. (laughs) So I eat two meals a day and have three servings of that. That's my calorie intake done. You know. (laughs) So do you have
0: identical sets of clothing on hangers in your uh, wardrobe so you don't have to think about what to wear?
1: They're not all identical, but I don't have to think about what I wear. They are very versatile pieces. You know, yeah, yeah. I have three blazers in different colors, but they all go with each other. Maroon, brown and navy. <laughs> and it, it works well.
0: And did you establish those by reading a blog about what pieces went with each other?
1: Uh, no, I just brought my, when I was in a relationship, when, uh, when I was with my ex, I just brought her along shopping with me. And she said, oh, that looks good. So I just kept you... that aesthetic forever. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's interesting, you're too i don't you know we don't need to go into detail on your personal life so much, but i I am fascinated with the idea that you are sometimes too efficient
1: for yeah for the people. west people in the west sometimes it's yeah sometimes it's too much, you know, and sometimes I have to compromise, especially when I had a day job, I have to learn how to <sighs> do small talk in the elevator, you know yeah. Or water cooler when people ask, oh, do you want tea? I don't know if you've worked in an office before, but when people ask you, oh, do you want tea? You say yes, and then you have to offer to make it for them next time, you know? Yeah. And then people say you want to go to the pub, and then you have, you, sometimes you have to say yes, and then it's always boring conversation. But you have to be like, okay, that's fine. I'm a comic, so my conversation is definitely going to be more interesting than theirs. But it's time for them to talk also. People want to feel valued too. So you have to, you know, I have to think about that. How not, how not to hurt people's feelings. Is, is this Asian culture or is this Asperger's? <laughs> I would say part of it comes from being Asian, but also compared to other Asians, I'm also a bit more, a, a little that's, bit above
0: average. That's a bit more, a little bit yeah. above average. <laughs> yeah.
1: But man, a- I have some Asian friends who are like leagues above me when it comes to this okay. efficiency stuff. And I'm like, holy shit, man. You know? And I thought I was the one with Asperger's, you know? <laughs> is thats is
0: that... what is that like being in the wake of someone who's even more efficient than you? Is it thrilling because you're picking up tips on how to be more efficient? Or do you suddenly feel like your former co-workers feel like a little bit left in the dust, like, oh, this person doesn't even
1: actually want to hang out? Oh, yeah, definitely a little bit left in the dust. Sometimes I see, I follow a lot of content creators online who are super funny and the output is just funny thing after funny thing after funny thing. And I was like, holy shit. And they're all well shot and beautiful. Oh my God. That, that kind of feeling is like the same feeling when you get, when you see like a really good comic and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I'll never be as good. So that's the feeling yes. I get when I see someone so much more efficient than me. Ah, oh, <laughs> that's not me. I can't what, be that why efficient. Even try, yeah. Why
0: even try to release that helplessness? Yeah. So do you watch like a Gary Vaynerchuk thing and just go, oh, what's the point? This guy can make a hundred pieces of content from nothing.
1: Oh, well, I I, I, I don't like that guy, man. People who don't know, Gary V is uh, just this motivational self-help guy. He has a whole team making self-help stuff, and you know, I think
0: that's the ultimate self-help get someone else to do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't like it. I like, <laughs> I like the comic. That's comics. the elite
0: secret you find out at the
1: end when you've paid for every seminar. <laughs> <laughs> I hear some guys. <laughs> but the thing with stat- comedy stuff online is sometimes the editing, you can put your signature in it. So it's, it's just really hard to outsource sometimes, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I want to know if there's anything else on the... Um... Do you ever feel that your... Do you ever feel that your creative output suffers
1: from your desire for efficiency? Ooh, good question. Let me have a think. I, I, I don't know that because there is no alternative universe where I can be like let's stop being efficient, right? Maybe if I told myself okay, let's start making videos, maybe my stand up would be a lot better.
0: I, I don't I mean, know. I mean Sorry, I I don't mean in terms of that. That's a good answer, but I I don't mean in terms of like whether you're being efficient at one thing so you're not concentrating on comedy so much. I think you're clearly concentrating on both. But I suppose and it's this it, it's that relationship again between science and art where if you are efficiently getting, and I, I'm not talking about hackiness or cheapness, I just mm-hmm. wonder whether in the, in the, I was going to say scramble, but in your desire to efficiently get everything out of a subject, do you ever feel like, do you ever look back at an older bit of material and think, if I had slowed down and thought about that more, the product would have been different or richer somehow?
1: Hmm. For now, not yet. And I've seen I've seen when I watch older bits of my stand up, I actually feel the opposite. I'm like, oh so much waffle. My God,
0: cut <laughs> that shit out. Jesus. I don't mean waffle. I mean I mean say something profound. Oh. Like if if you're if you were trying to kind of get a subject that makes people not just go, ah, ha, ha ha, I appreciate the collection of those ideas in a way I hadn't I hadn't thought about before, but uh-huh. something like oof, like a kind of carlin, <laughs> kind of like, oh that's that said something
1: oh, well, I've already uh, accepted the fact that I probably won't say anything profound. <laughs> and, and it's I never really thought about it because I always felt, even if I say something somewhat, not political, but social issue type stuff, it's still coded in a lightheartedness. So mm-hmm. I have a bit about how, you know, as, as an immigrant, I'm not going to join ISIS because I love John Lewis too much. I'm not going to, you know, ruin that opportunity. But that's the premise. So I think, yeah, you, you kind of, it touches on, Social issues, but it doesn't really go too. It doesn't really go enough into it to, for it to be profound. I I think yeah. that's fair enough to say, and I, I'm am okay with that. You know, yeah. yeah.
0: Do you do have you since you start? How long ago did you start when you were in the states?
1: Nine years, but the first four years were just very casual. So sure, yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: So w- within that time, let's say looking at the last five years, have mm-hmm. you noticed development to how you? to, to your output, I don't mean more efficiency and I don't mm-hmm. mean less waffle, but the way, like what kind of changes have happened over five years, what sort of things have you learned and implemented without, do you see what I mean? Like, I, I don't mean there's less waffle now. Uh, I mean, like, like, are you better and what things are you better at five years in?
1: Just funnier in general, but let me break it down, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I do think I'm funnier because I'm more more comfortable on stage. If you look at a video of me from two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen versus a video of me now, you can clearly tell like I'm looser on stage. I I I'm more comfortable. I can speak in a more natural tone instead of just being very monotonous because I was almost clamped up, you know, a little bit nervous and and stuff. Uh, in terms of, of the way I view the world, has it changed that much? It's changed because my life has changed and I'm getting better at talking about daily life and daily occurrences where, oh yeah, this is a thing. Where I, when I first moved here and when I was newer to this, every show started with, oh, I'm from Malaysia because I always had to assert that, that otherness, that kind of, oh, I know I stand out. Let me address it really quickly right now, you know? So I made it, that's one of the l- lists of things that I consciously try to work on is do a set without mentioning the word Malaysia once and I've achieved that so I think now I'm just more comfortable with who I am and I can go on stage and talk about uh, whatever not whatever but like jokes that doesn't require me to say how I'm different from the crowd right and I that I, I answer your question is it's just more comfortable being myself yeah absolutely yeah so that, that, that's a change I guess and I hope, hope, hope it keeps going in that direction
0: it's nuts, isn't it? I, I can think of, I can think of certain things about who I am as a comic, fifteen years after I started, and and yet not be able to anticipate at all the sorts of changes that might happen over the next five, ten, fifteen years. Do you know what I mean that's like for me? That's part of the the adventure.
1: Yeah, yeah, and everything influences your stage persona, right? Like, I realized after I started doing the podcast, I've developed a a different. Not, not completely developed a different rhythm, but I discovered a new rhythm to deliver my jokes, a bit of more of a ranty, you know, like talking over while people are laughing type rhythm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I've incorporated that into my arsenal now. So I think mm-hmm. everything you do in life influences your act. So there is no, there really isn't like a, I don't, <coughs> there really isn't like a sense of self, like, oh, what I want to say is just what your culture, what your life makes you say. You know what I mean? So everything you do influences your act. So if you start becoming, if you are a, I don't know if you've done mime before. So I'm sure some- circus stuff, a uh, street performer-y type stuff. Sure, sure, sure. I'm sure okay. that influences your act too, right? Don't be spreading around that I was ever a
0: mime. Fuck's sake. Oh, really? Yeah, sure. It influences my act. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I won't say what I was going to say because I sometimes hear from street performers who listen to this who are like, you've got to stop being self-deprecating about street performers because we still do it and love it. I'm like, that's absolutely fair. But I think I, I kind of, I quite enjoy, I sort of like to invoke chaos a little bit. Yeah, you know, like that's that's quite fun. I like I like tripping over. I like falling over. I think it it amuses me to get laughs out of making mistakes.
1: Uh yes, yes. So yeah, in, in the next few years, if my life changes, then yeah, my 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 act would change. My my jokes will change, and even if you see me at a club, it will be a different diff, different material. You know, even though I don't do the fringe, I know a lot of people do Either they do the fringe, at a different show every year, but you see them at the club. It's the same twenty, which is fine, <laughs> I guess, because you have your club set. But I like doing new stuff in the club set, bleeding it in slowly, a turn, turnover of the club set, because I always feel the club set should still be a reflection of who you are. And mm-hmm. yes, a club environment won't grant you as much artistic license as a fringe environment, but I think it should still show who you are in that snapshot, that moment.
0: And what? what's, what's your favorite bit? What's your favorite club bit?
1: Of mine? Mm. Oh man, I have so many. <laughs> Again, I haven't done stand-up in a while, but... I really love my John Lewis bit that I just described. Yeah, that yeah. long chunky bit, uh, and I love my Edinburgh closer—a bit about rice cookers—because I just fe- feel like it's such a, it's such a bit only I can write. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, okay. I love bits where I can get people who don't give a shit about something to give a shit about something. You know? Yes. Like, do you care about rice cookers? No, but I can still make you laugh with it. So that's to sure. me. When people ask, how do you? Because you're from a different culture, how do you let, make people laugh at your culture and get them to understand that then it's just you have to be compelling enough. So that's why I like, like those bits, you know, like I do those, those bits, you know, in places like outside Bath near where you live and they still work, which is <laughs> a great, great, great feeling. And of course, when I do that rice cooker bit in front of my Asian crowd. Yeah, of course, it'll work. That, no, no questions there. The culture is the same. But if yes. I can get it to bridge across that gap, that's a very satisfying feeling.
0: Something I noticed um, about the—I had a look at like the aggregated reviews of your Edinburgh show. There's a debut year, uh, a lot of attention, and mm-hmm. um, newcomer nomination. But the the reviews kind of didn't catch fire in the way that a lot of newcomer nominated shows can do. Oh yeah, now, definitely. I, I'm I'm happy to I. I'm happy to bring that up. <laughs> of course I am. I'm oh, happy please, to not yeah, talk. Yeah. I'm happy to take this out if you if you don't want to. I don't want to kind of herald the fact that it wasn't that well-reviewed a show. But I think in terms of analysis, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, you've heard this podcast, you know, the position of this podcast is that reviews don't exist. But I am interested <laughs> in why you think it, why you think the critical reception wasn't uh, what it might have been.
1: That's a great question. And you can keep it in the podcast, you know, you can even make it a bonus Patreon thing. So <laughs> you can take comics money, you know, why does Nigel Young like reviews? I think <laughs> reviews, I actually, I actually like the fact that you have reviews, you know, when you buy a TV, you read all the reviews, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the difference when you, when I pay money to Westfield to watch a movie, I read the reviews. So what makes stand up any different? I don't want to waste money, you know, but the problem I have with the uh, reviewers there is my tastes don't aligned with any of those reviewers at all because i've seen a lot of like four star five star shows that just wasn't for me you know just mm-hmm. wasn't the, the vibe wasn't for me the type of comedy was humor wasn't for me but that's okay you know it's subjective right but before going up to edinburgh i was already anticipating i was i told a lot of people that yeah it'll be a few uh i'll get a majority three stars i'll top out at three and a half probably because it's just it's just jokes isn't it you know, there's no big profound thing and, and you know, I'm, but I'm happy. As long as I'm happy with the product I put out, I don't really care. And it happened exactly the way I predicted. Bar <laughs> bar one four star from the Telegraph, which again, super surprised. I'm like, the, the, the Telegraph? Was it Telegraph? Or well, some some newspaper. Give <laughs> me a four star thing like that. Oh, okay. And then people told me, like, oh, did you know he was on the panel? I said, like, oh, really? Why'd you give me four? I don't even know why. I think it's, it's a misprint or something. Maybe a diversity quota or something. But... <laughs> I, I was so surprised and I, I saw the, the, re, the middling reviews coming. I just am not the right vibe for Edinburgh. You can put this as the title, you know, like a clickbaity title to yeah, the show. Yeah, I don't
0: do clickbait titles because I've been going since before. People were doing clickbait titles, uh, okay. but I should start doing clickbait Sorry, titles. Do
1: it, do it for my episode. I don't mind. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to say it first. I, I'm, I don't think I'm the right vibe for the festival. And that's okay. That's okay. You got your own vibe. I got my own vibe, you know.
0: Is that is there is there an element of defensiveness in there are you kind of saying look this doesn't i'm not going to feel upset by this because it doesn't apply to me you know is is there a part of you which is like it would be nice to be well reviewed
1: not really man <laughs> <laughs> not really and maybe that's because i i'm fortunate enough to have a little bit of success on social media so i always had a okay i have people who still like my work so even yeah, when I read the reviews, yeah, of course when you read them and you see someone someone say it's I uh, don't not like your work, yeah, it, it stings a little bit, but it for me now it stings for like maybe an hour and then I just yeah. get on with my day, you know? Go get I'm some gonna, noodles on, on this Nicholson Street. <laughs> um
0: I I'm gonna read um an awful, awful sentence and which i think says a lot about reviewers and not about you um (laughs) uh the show is full of blah 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 and this is this is from a Mm three-star Um of course the guffawing masses lap it up
1: (laughs) (laughs) my point exactly (laughs) (laughs) to me you know what it when i feel when i read it i filter it of course people will buy tickets to this show you know that that's how i view it i'm like uh so is that a bad thing you know
0: yeah, that's very mentally healthy. I've always I've long held that a piece of criticism mm-hmm. is a useful piece of feedback wrapped up in a load of subjective bullshit you don't need to listen to. if <laughs> you can choose to listen to or not. But that is yeah. so funny. The message of that sentence, if you take all the bullshit away, is everybody was laughing. <laughs> Great. Yeah. You're gonna get people reading that review going, Well, I I'm a guffawing mass. Sounds like my sort of thing.
1: Yeah. That's that's the that's what happens when you get drama students to review comedy shows.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: True and also, in in what other area of life do you listen to drama students? And then suddenly you listen to them when they review your sh- why? Why? <laughs> when you buy a couch, when you ask a drama student, you
0: know, <laughs> how do you how do you cope with? And it's, it's a sort of separate subject. I think we've we've dealt with that. Okay. but when how do you cope with bad gigs? Is it just <clears throat> is that just is that just good data?
1: What do you mean good data? As in you can learn from it? Well, you know,
0: I'm I'm forever, it's a thing I've started saying in the last couple of years is like if something goes terribly badly, I try and see it as good data. Like, oh, that is is a useful result because now I know not to do that again. I will
1: never again gig in Ashford in Kent. Sufficient data. I'll never again gig in Butlin's Mindhead. Yes, I did (laughs) get a six, seven minute routine out of it, which you can find on YouTube if you search Nigel (laughs) Ung. worst part of British culture, clickbait clickbait headline. But I think when I had a bad gig like that, I think, there are t- different types of bad gigs, right? There are bad gigs where you can learn something from, and there are bad gigs where you're just like, oh, nope, this is just, mm-hmm. no, there's nothing I can do to turn this around. So, and you need to have the insight to recognize which is which, right? So if, if it's a bad gig I can learn something from, then yeah, le- learn something from it. If it's not, then just you know, get on with your day, take a long shower, look at yourself in the mirror, do another gig, and try to smash that, get back on track.
0: How is your mental health?
1: I like to think it's okay. You know, I had a really terrible situation, uh, a, a big life separation stuff, you know, wife left. You can't leave this, we are good friends now, so it's okay. Yeah. I had a big wife leaving me stuff happened last year and it was you know, really tough at first. And uh, I think I'm tough mentally because, you know, I just gradually recovered from it, kept myself busy. I remember that that week she left. I still was filming something, and you can ask Evelyn this. I asked her to help me film something in a, in a uh, boots. I was trying to turn my sushi bit into like a little sketch. And the, the week she left, oh yeah, it was. So here's a little story. I I came I came back from Birmingham Glee Sunday morning. You do a weekend of gigs, right? Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Stay overnight. Then Birmingham Glee came back Sunday morning. And then I came back, all, her, all the stuff was gone. She packed up her stuff. She was still here, and she said, Oh, I'm leaving you. I said, Okay, why? Well, I'm not happy, yada, yada, yada. Cried a lot, you know. And then she left. And then five hours later, I was supposed to open for Ken Jong, you know. And, I, oh, and I did. And half an hour before the show, I was crying in the, backstage eating poke because my agent got me delivery. <laughs> she saw me crying, Oh, do you want any food? I'm like, Yeah, can I get poke, please? I, I want some salmon right now. <laughs> and I went up there. And the first two minutes was an out-of-body experience. I could just kind of see myself going through the motions. But then two, two and a half minutes in, I, I snapped into gear and then smashed the gig. So, uh, you know, I didn't want, it sounds braggy now, but I did really, really well. And yeah, I, I just thought I'm professional enough and mentally in a stable enough place to get on with things, to heal from things just with time. So I'm very fortunate.
0: Did you, just going back to that, thank you for sharing that story. Did you walk off stage? How long did the high last when you walked off stage and remembered that a few hours earlier, your life had turned upside down?
1: I remember walking off stage and then I checked my phone because I have a bit where I plug my name and I say, follow me on Instagram. And I open my phone, like 80 new followers, like a second after I left the stage. So that was a big high and I did well. So that was a high as well. But yeah, an hour afterwards, maybe that just... I saw Ken perform and then I just uh, later that night I was just uh, talking to my agent and crying again. So, um, not that long, not that long. It didn't last that long, but it, it was a nice high to have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most people in most
0: jobs don't get to walk out the door five hours later and kind of realign themselves, not just experience the kind of vicarious thrill of doing a show, but also to kind of be reminded of a core thing.
1: Yeah. But that, that's great, right? It's great to feel stuff. It's good to feel stuff. No matter how efficient I am, that that tells me I'm still human. I'm still on. on, I'm maybe I'm on the spectrum, but maybe I'm more of the towards the normal side of things. I can still feel emotion, you know.
0: (laughs) Do you do you give any serious thought to? I mean, I kind of made an arguably insensitive joke about Aspergers, but do you do you consider sometimes you may be on the spectrum?
1: I just call it being efficient, man. You know, (laughs) and I don't. I don't know what maybe I am and I have nothing against that I've ne- how do you test for that you know I have absolutely no idea I'd rather get tested for coronavirus antibodies now than get tests for Asperger's you know but I, I, I don't know I think I get on with life I watch Korean dramas and I cry sometimes so that that works I still feel stuff you know <laughs> maybe, I think, maybe i am i don't know
0: if it isn't a genuine concern for you or something that you've looked into we should immediately stop talking about it because this is the blind leading the blind on yeah. a subject yeah. that neither of us know about <laughs> all, know. I, I hope we've managed to be respectful about it i doubt that we have <laughs> yes
1: you we might want to cut this out <laughs> keep, keep the review stuff in i don't give a shit about that yeah yeah
0: so let's finish up with this um we did we talk? I feel like we've talked before about your laugh at the fact that you have this really uh, funny <laughs> giggle at yourself that you do during your set.
1: Sometimes, yeah. If I'm if I'm if I'm in the mood, <laughs>
0: <laughs> how do you feel about it? Because I think I find it charming now, but I think uh, when I first heard you do it, I was I sort of winced.
1: <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> sorry, <dude>. sorry. <laughs> you feel, feel that way, man. Uh, hey, man. Listen, my my opinion of it is yeah. Irrelevant. That's fine. That's fine winced why do you wince? you think i'm just doing it cynically to get more laughs
0: yes i worried that that Uh, would case.
1: i would say when i started out sometimes i would do it because i was just uncomfortable i was nervous so yes sometimes it is it's not a cynical thing it's not oh laugh here get more laughs there it's more like oh i'm nervous what i say let's feel the silence let's laugh but now when i when i laugh it's it's more genuine now um do i still i don't remember did i do it my last few gigs of this year, I don't remember anymore. I've listened back to a recording. But I think, especially when I'm trying out, when the joke is newer and I yeah. still get tickled by it, that <laughs> happens more. So New well, Material Nights. As, or when I say something so, that I think was so funny and it just bombs, I laugh at that too. So <laughs> That's n- a
0: really good skill to have because that can... When you say, when one says something and it bombs and there is silence, that's hell. But actually laughing at yourself is quite... Even though it isn't tactical were it tactical it would be a useful tactic
1: oh sometimes it's just me laughing sometimes i laugh at the joke that bomb and nobody else laughs it's just because it's so funny how wrong you are isn't it yeah <laughs> how could i think this pedophile joke could work <laughs> i think that was a good idea five hours ago you know i
0: I, uh, I really i think the first person i ever heard exactly um say that out loud immediately was kai Humphreys, like doing a line it dying and him just smiling goofily at the audience and saying like i don't believe, i can't believe i ever thought that would be funny yeah
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah it, is that yeah. is that is that emotion yeah yes. or if it's a newer bit that i'm still working on or i add a new tag and i say it and i realize oh that's fucking funny <laughs> and i just start laughing <laughs> i did this in the podcast i said some like random shit and then i chuckled at myself so it's, yes, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. the same proof, same principle yeah 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 i yeah. think and
0: that's it when i realized it was genuine I, I,
1: my, I think wince was, was unfair
0: of me. No, but that's fair, I,
1: that's fair. I was still not fully comfortable on stage. So yeah. I think it, it's a comedy, you can tell. It's a comedy, you can tell. Yes, right? yes.
0: Yeah. So fi- finally then, um, thank you. I've really enjoyed this. This has been great. Oh, um, you're welcome. I would like to know, what would be your review of yourself? If you were to review yourself, not a drama student, you, uh... knowing what you know about comedy, what do you think? is in your review? What are your, what, are you, what are your flaws? What are your strengths?
1: I'm known to have a... If you listen to my podcast, you know I have a bit of an ego. So I try to be... Well, you, you, you Do put you regard stuff that, you're that proud as a of, flaw right? or a strength? <laughs> That'll be quite revealing.
0: Oh, <laughs> Having a I bit of an ego. I it's a strength, bad, you know?
1: I think it's a strength. Because, you know, people... There's so many things these days on Instagram. You see an influencer posting a shot where they have like six pack abs, and it make you feel bad about yourself. So I think the ego is like nice. You feel good about yourself. You know, you, you feel like you're making good stuff. And I would say if I had to review myself, I'm like super punchy, super funny. I've never laughed this much in a show. <laughs> Get tickets now. And
0: I don't mean I don't mean market yourself with a review. Oh, okay, sorry. I mean assess yourself.
1: Is there a difference? Reviews are just <laughs> marketing written by some guy you didn't pay. assess yourself i would say uh again i'm thinking back to the feeling of gigging and my jokes if it's me reviewing myself i think it's just going to be all positive stuff because come on you know
0: what i'm trying to like what i'm driving at is step outside yourself okay okay okay, look at the act and go which bits of this are good and which bits could he improve on
1: I think something I can improve on is to write less foreign to Britain type jokes because he's lived here five years now. Surely he doesn't get surprised <laughs> by how they still sell sushi in boots you know although i still i haven't done a joke in a in a while because it's, it's an old joke now, but i still really love it so sure um, but
0: i see what you mean there's like a level of naivety that you contrive yes. that now is like come on mate like yeah. like your exercise before about go a whole set without mentioning malaysia maybe it's now go a whole set without any kind of cultural reference to the differences between malaysia and british culture
1: yes yes uh, yeah that that could be a that could be a criticism because that's a criticism i have for myself too because I go perform in Singapore. I'm like, ah, fuck. How much stuff do I need to cut? <laughs> how much material do I have left? <laughs> so it's a criticism I have for myself because I want to expand my horizons, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, that becomes like just exploitation. I know it works for British people. They want to hear about how shit buttlins is. I know it works, but it's time to find new things. So maybe stuff, uh, maybe, maybe he can write more stuff that's not about that, more stuff about his personal life. That's, you know, again, something I'm working on.
0: But will that stuff fly as well online to an Asian audience who are loving your Uh, stuff about rice cookers and bok choy?
1: (laughs) The answer is probably not. But as you churn away users, hopefully you find new ones, right? You churn away some followers, you find new ones. And also, at the end of the day, who gives a shit? Wait till next week, there's two more videos coming. If you don't like this, scroll, Right.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm an idiot if I don't get out on, if you don't like this, scroll,
1: music. (laughs) Well, I don't get the, are you happy question? Are you happy? I think I'm pretty happy most of the time, man. I think I'm only human, right? Sometimes you're (laughs) sad, sometimes you're happy, but most of the time I'm pretty okay. (laughs)
0: What I should have gone was, do you have feelings?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do, I don't know why people, that's because I'm efficient, doesn't mean I'm not feeling anything, you know. (laughs) Oh my God. So
0: that was Nigel. A joy, an absolute joy. And it's done wonders for my mental health, which has, as I mentioned, been flagging recently. A two-minute post on that in just a moment. Um, but for now, thank you to Nigel. Thanks to Jake Crossland. Thank you to Nathan Wood for uh, producing and uploading the show. Music was by Rob Smouten. Your podcast consultant was, and shall remain, Peter Dobbing. And I hope that wherever you are, you are doing well. Go to comedianscomedian.com slash insiders to get the extra stuff on Nigel's Instagram and TikTok strategies and uh, do check out Rice to Meet You, Nigel Ling's podcast with Evelyn Mock and if you are so inclined, have a listen to the latest episode of Child Labour with me and Sindhu V. It's basically the Comedians Comedian podcast but for parenting, which means there's a tremendous amount to enjoy even if you do not do that thing. In this case, parenting. In this case, comedy. You see what I mean? See the point I'm failing to make? Nonetheless, that's it. Thank you for listening Um, these have been, I think, over in record timing. But uh, so that I can catch the last five minutes of bath time, my children's and not my own, uh, here is a two-minute (laughs) postamble. This is a tiny little postamble to remind you that if you, like me, have been going hard during the pandemic, if you have been leaning on other people in your family, if you have been... Pushing yourself, reinventing yourself, pivoting—all of those sorts of things—I've managed three months without burnout, and now I've started having. Let's not call them panic attacks, but let's uh, let's just call it a slight flutteriness. That I am pleased to say I know enough about my own mental health to know shouldn't be there. So I am unplugging for a bit, and I am going to take a week off. Why not? Um, so, if all like the only reason I mention it is because if you are uh, like me. if you're anything like me and some of you are, um, then maybe you just need reminded to pay attention to it. I've had two really good reminders from my fabulous wife and my dear friend Vince uh, just in the last few days that actually I'll come back stronger if I have a little rest. (laughs) So I'm going to have a little rest and this is me reminding you, hey, why not have a little rest? It's all still going to be here when you get back. Is it? Yeah, let's assume it is. Let's assume it is. Uh, by which I mean uh, the, the work online, the work in your head, the ideas you're having, and the whole entire world. Do have a little break if you're able to. And if you're not able to, we shall all try and have one on your behalf. And thank you for your continuing energy. That'll do. Bye for now. Back with you next week, I think. I'm going to try and pre-record a bunch of stuff before my little break. But that's what's been on my mind. So now it can be on yours too. All right, look after yourself and yourselves and one another and yourself. Bye for now.